following is a continuation in our series looking at who Jesus is and how his character changes the way we live. We hope you enjoy. So tonight, tonight we're going to talk about Jesus as our mediator, okay, Jesus as our mediator. Well, let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our mediator, we thank you that you stand before us, Lord, and you claim us as your own, Lord, because if, if we are trying to mediate for ourselves, Lord, we're going to fail <laughs> We ask that you would help us to understand the beauty of you mediating for us, and why that's important. And how that affects the way we live. For this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So oftentimes in crisis, we need a mediator. We need someone from the outside to step in to the mess that we're in, to step into the circumstances we're in, to the problems that we're having, the relationships that we're struggling with, to help us kind of see things from different angles. And oftentimes we need that outside perspective because what gets in our way that makes situations worse sometimes? You can answer this, but please raise your hand. Why do we need to bring someone outside of the relationship or outside the problem? Tucker. Biases. Okay, yeah, we all have biases, okay? And you've probably heard me say this before. Biases aren't bad. Bad biases are bad, okay? We all have biases, and those aren't necessarily wrong, but oftentimes our biases can cause us to lean in one direction or the other. What else? What gets in the way of the circumstances when we're trying to resolve something or... Bring resolution to hurt, Ellie. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Okay. Who here has ever had that moment where you're trying to resolve something with somebody and it's just like deers locking horns and nobody's budging, nobody's moving? Okay. All of you have probably done that in some way, shape, or form. We've all done that in some way, shape, or form. Okay. This can come in a lot of different forms for the reason why we would need a mediator. Okay. Companies often need a mediator to step in and help with conflict or to help with resolution with contract issues. Oftentimes in relationships, we need a mediator who is outside of the problem or outside the argument to step in because they can bring solutions with a clear head, without bias, and they're able to actually tell us the things that we're unable to see because of our own sin and because of our own stubbornness. Okay? We need that. A mediator will ask questions that we so often refuse to ask ourselves. And we need that person to be able to ask those hard questions. To help us get to the heart of the issue. This often happens in things like marriage counseling or conflict management. We need somebody to step in, to be the go-between, to be able to help us communicate without yelling at each other or without blowing up or without leaving the table. We often need somebody to step in. We need a go-between because our emotions and our actions and our personalities often become obstacles to that resolution. So a mediator will serve as that go-between. That's exactly what Jesus does for us with God the Father and our sin. We have a serious sin problem, and we need a mediator to step in and bring resolution to that problem. So just some opening thoughts tonight. We're going to talk about Jesus as mediator. He serves as that role in heaven. When we talk about how Jesus ascended and sits at the right hand of God, we talk about that a lot. Whenever I do communion, I always read the same verse. And that is from Hebrews 12, which talks about how Jesus is sitting where? At the right hand of God. And that place is a place of what? It's a place of authority. It's a place of power. And from that place, he actually 
intervenes with God the Father for us. As a mediator, he says, yes, they're a sinner, but they belong to me. And that's an incredibly important part about who Jesus is. And I want us to leave here with a better understanding of that. As a mediator, he is in the best position for us. So here's kind of our overarching theme for tonight. Jesus is the only one that can mediate between us and God. Jesus is the only one that can mediate between us and God. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to start with just verses 15 to 18. Could I, I didn't ask any of the leaders. Would any of the leaders like to read tonight? Caleb, what do you read just 15 through 18 for me? Hebrews 9, verses 15 through 18. May receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of one of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first uh, covenant was inaugurated without blood. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so as we just talked about, a mediator is someone who mediates. They step in between. Their role is to act as an intermediary between two parties that are dealing with conflict, they're dealing with fighting, they're dealing with anger or financial issues. And the goal for this mediator is to be this third party who is able to think critically about both sides and listen to both arguments and say, time out, I think you might be a little wrong on this, and time out, I think you might be a little wrong on this. And that intermediary should be able to remove themselves from the emotion of the situation. Okay, So if you bring in someone as a mediator, and they're just as emotional as you and the other person because you're both angry at each other, what's going to be the problem? Raise your hand if you want to answer this. Your hand up. I can feel like Piper. Okay. Now you just have three people who are having a problem, right? Okay. So an intermediary has to be able to step in and remain calm, remain collect, remain peaceful. And their goal should be to love both parties equally and well and not take a specific side unnecessarily. That does not mean that a mediator shouldn't take sides when there's some sort of extreme circumstance. But for the most part, a mediator should be able to stay the course, to remain faithful, to be calm, and to be able to look at both sides equally. They should be chosen with great care. I want you to think about this. If two people are trying to solve a financial disagreement, getting someone who doesn't understand money is probably not going to be a good mediator. So if you get somebody who's just like, they have a gambling problem, or, or they, they just they don't know how to stop spending money, Getting them to help solve your financial crisis, is that's not going to be a good mediator. You need somebody who understands that, able to give wise advice. Same vein, it's definitely not wise to have someone who would financially benefit from either side. So if you bring in somebody to mediate and they can make money off of one of the sides, they're probably going to side with who? The side that makes them money, right? So we need to choose our mediators wisely. They need to be able to separate themselves from the situation. Also think about this, if two people are dealing with a marriage crisis, bringing someone in who hates relationships probably isn't going to be helpful for you. If they've just given up on life and said, oh, relationships are stupid, I'm done, right? It's just me and myself for the rest of my life, okay? And they're your mediator. Are they going to be able to like help solve your relational issue? Probably not, because they're biased towards 
people shunning relationships. Two people are wrestling with a specific hurt. Let's say a husband has been secretly gambling away the family savings. Okay? Or if a wife has been also secretly gambling away the family savings. Okay? It probably would not help to bring in a degenerate gambler to mediate for you. Those are silly examples, but I hope you see the point. We need to be able to choose the people that mediate wisely, because if we don't choose a, a good mediator, then good mediation won't happen. Now, this isn't to say that someone who has previous experience or previous struggles with something can't mediate for you. There just has to be a very clear uh, growth in that area where, where they, they've been able to learn from it and experience it and say, you know what, I've, I've learned so many things from my mistakes that I feel like I can step in and help you. Okay? But what it does mean is that a mediator should be able to be impartial. They shouldn't take sides unnecessarily. They shouldn't look and say, well, Caleb's my friend, so I'm just going to side with him, okay, no matter what, okay, to a fault. Like, even though they may be right, I'm still going to side with him because he's my friend. They need to facilitate communication and resolution. The goal of a mediator is to not make things worse. It's actually to make things better. So when it comes to Jesus being our mediator, He serves as the perfect mediator. Why? Because who does he love? Yes, but he loves both parties, right? He loves the Father, just as Piper said. He loves us. Okay? And despite our sin, he wants to bring that resolution. He wants to mediate for us. Our issue is one of sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is our problem. We have a sin problem. We have a pride problem. And what comes with that is that we always think that we're right. Right? We tend to look at situations and say, you know what? It's all their fault. I've done nothing wrong. I've been totally peaceful and amicable and right in the situation. And we're unwilling to see our own fault, which is why Jesus needs to be our mediator in the first place. Because he's able to say, you know, you're actually wrong. You have a sin problem. But there's good news. And that's what he's there for, is to be our mediator, to represent us before God and say, yes, they they do have problems, and they do need growth, but they belong to me. There's been alienation from God ever since the fall, and this explains why we often feel so isolated and alone, and we need a mediator. And this is where Jesus steps into that role. So in our passage, in verse 15, it says he is the mediator of what? The new covenant. And the new covenant is when God promised to put the law where? Into our hearts and to transform us through our hearts. So as the mediator of the new covenant, he's able to transform us and move us towards the Father. Oftentimes when we have breakdowns in relationships, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? We want to move as far away from the other party as possible, right? We just want to run. We want to flee. We want to be away from them. We don't want anything to do with them. But what Jesus says is, as mediator, I'm going to usher you closer to the one that you've offended. I'm going to say, they belong to me. I love them. And in, in return, God does what? Does he say, nope, time out. I can't take, I can't take Piper or Carabeth. There's too far gone or Micaiah or anybody. No. He says, welcome. I love you. Okay. So why does this matter? Why does any of this, this matter? Carolyn, would you mind coming up and read? For a little bit, would you read verses 19 to 22 for me? We're in the same chapter, chapter 9, 19 to 22. 
For when every commandment of the law has been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats, and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our mediator. He is the only one that can stand between us and God and mediate for our sins. Okay? In the Catholic Church, there's often other mediators that are prayed to, and I find that to be super problematic. And there's no reason for us to pray to a dead saint or a human being. We need to pray to the one who can actually serve as mediator. The Bible is very clear. There is one mediator between us and God. And who is that? We just said it. Sunday school answer, Jesus. Okay. Uh, this mediator understands the issue at hand. He understands just how deeply sin affects us. And because of that, he's moved towards us. See, under the old covenant system, there was this necessity of bloodshed. This is the part of reading the Old Testament that we read. Oh, we just push that aside because we don't like talking about it. Animals were slaughtered. Blood was thrown everywhere. Okay? And it was part of this atonement that was necessary. Something had to be sacrificed to appease the wrath of God before man. So when the time for Jesus came, this ushering in of this new covenant, what do we see? There's this transition where instead of this yearly consistent sacrifice, what happened? Jesus died on the cross how many times? Once. (laughs) Not three times. (laughs) Once and for all. In fact, the writer of Hebrews in other places actually talks about how when that happened, Jesus went behind the curtain. And that language is actually describing that inner sanctum of the temple, the Holy of Holies, where the priest would actually go into that inner area and they would perform the sacrifices. It says that Jesus did that once and for all for the forgiveness of sins. It doesn't have to happen anymore. Which means what? Which means we have a great assurance of what Jesus has done. We don't have to sit back and say, well, I'm just going to have to make that sacrifice again. Or I'm going to need forgiveness of sins again and again and again. But what does Jesus declare? He says, you are mine. And because I'm your mediator, you can trust in me. You can know that I'm mediating for you every day. Verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. His shedding of his blood mediates the problem that we have. Mediates the problem that started back in the garden. And without that, we have nothing. Without Jesus mediating for you, then God's going to look at us and just see our sin. Okay? But the fact that Jesus is mediating for us, He's declaring us belonging to Him. So oftentimes when we talk about, I use this with our communicants, because I love this picture. Uh, but we talk about the cross. We talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our, our sins. So He takes away what? He takes away our sins. Okay. If that's the only thing He did, then what's the problem? What are we going to do in five seconds or five minutes from now? We're just going to keep sinning. Okay. What Jesus does at the cross is he takes away our sin, but he actually gives us himself. He clothes us in his own righteousness. So not only does he take away something, he gives us his perfection, his perfect record, his lordship over our lives. And nothing trumps that. Nothing can go above that and take it away. So when Jesus is mediating to the Father for you, 
What he's saying is, is, yes, they still have sin, but what are they covered by? You can answer this. They're covered by the righteousness that I gave them. And if he's the only mediator that can do that, that's why this is so important. That's why this role that he has is so important. 2 Corinthians 5.24 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And he keeps talking to the Father, claiming you as one of his children. And that is something that we should celebrate. I don't think we celebrate that enough. I don't think we talk about that enough. He did this. And that mediation draws us into relationship with God. Oftentimes, we look for mediators that are going to side with us. Oftentimes, we want mediators that are going to go easy on us. We, we want mediators that may be oblivious to our problems. Uh, we want people to see our side and to take our side. But too often, we do that out of self-protection. We do that because we're unwilling to actually deal with our own problems and see our faults in things. And Jesus wants us to own up to that and say, yes, I am a sinner and I need a mediator. I need someone to step in. And thankfully, he doesn't do that because he's frustrated with us. He doesn't do it because he wants us to stop talking. He does it because he loves us. He actually loves to mediate for you. And I want you to see just how awesome that is. Okay? He looks at the Father and says, that person, whoever it is, is mine. And nothing can separate them from me. He has claimed them for himself, and nothing can break that fellowship. Okay? Romans 8, 38-39 says, For I'm sure that neither death or life, nor angels or rulers, not things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ's mediation for you means that you belong to Him, nothing can break that fellowship, and that He loves you enough to keep mediating for you. This is something that we should all be thankful for. This is something that I think, again, we need to talk about this more because it's a beautiful part of our salvation. He is the only one that can mediate between God and the problem of sin that we have. So, Let's spend a little bit of time unpacking that in our small groups. But let me pray for us, and then we'll dismiss. Gracious Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are mediating for us, Lord, by the grace of your Son. And just ask that as we think about the importance of this, Lord, that you would help us to appreciate that mediation, appreciate that love and care, and how you're able to bring us closer to you, Lord, and not draw us further away, but you actually desire to bring us closer in relationship with you. Thank you for that. We ask that you help us to better understand what that means and how that changes the way we live. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIF.